So now that we know Debo Samuel's not playing, Trent Williams is doubtful, do the Vikings stand any more of a chance? Let's dive into the 49ers offense on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and happy game day. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. We're always trying to learn something new. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Luke Braun, and thank you so much to those of you who listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers, I love you all dearly. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Uh, You can find this show, if you are new, you can find it wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is any audio listening platform, as well as SiriusXM, where you can find tonight's game being live broadcast on uh, the SiriusXM app or SiriusXM radio, depending on your plan. Uh, and you can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can get a video version. Today on the show, uh, let's talk deep about the 49ers. If you're listening to this show to get ready for the Monday night football game, you've come to the right place. Let's learn about what the 49ers are, what they do, how it's different from what the Vikings do, even though the Vikings kind of stole a whole bunch of stuff from the 49ers this offseason schematically, which is fair game. Um... But it's still very different with with Kyle Shanahan and, and a lot more evolved, uh, you know, coming from straight from the, the the trunk of the tree itself. But I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself. First, let's talk about the who of it all before we talk about the what. Um, Brock Purdy, quarterback. We'll get into him, but also um, the 49ers and Vikings have both had some injury situations. A Caleb Evans is going to be questionable for this game. Ezra Cleveland is out, so we will see. The first full game of Dalton Reisner as a Viking. Looking forward to seeing that uh, and and learning a, a little bit more about what he has in him too. That that's very much an opportunity um, with Reisner for me personally. It's always kind of been a, like he's not going to just come in and like eat a starting job. He's got to earn it, right? You got you you don't just get it when you come in, right? You got to come in, practice well, earn it, and and part of earning it is you got to get an opportunity and an injury, whether that's fair or not, right? Hope Ezra Cleveland gets well soon, but in the meantime, that's an opportunity for Reisner. If he goes and balls out, plays at a phenomenal level, then we start talking about, you know, hey, maybe we should reconsider who our starters are. But you're not really going to do that on a whim unless uh, the the starters do a lot worse than what we've been seeing from Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. And that offensive line as a whole has been pretty successful so far. Um, On the 49ers side, they do not have Debo Samuel which I think changes a little bit about their run game, but not like a ton because they still will probably have Christian McCaffrey who's dealing with a slight oblique tear. That sounds kind of like a, a hernia adjacent, like just a little baby hernia. I don't know. Um, I, I don't actually know the difference between a hernia and an oblique tear. Uh, somebody who knows uh, medical people, please explain it to me. But either way, that seems like a fairly crazy thing to play through, but whatever, I guess. Give him some of that special sauce. He'll be okay. Uh, and Trent Williams is doubt, doubtful, which that one's actually huge to me too, because part of what makes this 49ers offense go is the offensive line is incredible. That line is phenomenal. 
um, to prep for this one, I went and watched, you can find it at patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL. You can find what I found in that, but I went and watched the Giants game because the Giants blitzed the 49ers more than the Vikings have blitzed anybody. The Vikings, like 82% against Justin Herbert, Wink Bartendale pulled out 85 on the 49ers, 85% blitz rate. Um, it was very similar where it wasn't like every single play was like some exotic pressure. A lot of it was just they were in their base package and they rushed five and they didn't back off, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau into coverage a lot. Um, but that is like gave me a good sense for how the 49ers want to a- approach the blitz. And what I saw, I saw opportunity. Maybe I'll say it that way. Um, and, and certainly not to hate on what Brock Purdy has done. I'm not going to be one of those people that says, ah, well, you know, Brock Purdy was, was this kind of guy at Iowa State and I had my draft taken. He's really just a Mr. Irrelevant that's propped up by a good supporting cast. Like, of course, having, you know, McCaffrey, Kittle and Debo and a great O-line helps everybody. Right. Um, but what Purdy is to me is really similar. <laughs> this is a take that I'm going to keep saying I'll probably get in trouble for it. Really similar to Jordan Love in that they both just hate to stop and set their feet. So you get a lot of off, off-platform off winging. You get Brock Purdy's trying to be Aaron Rodgers, and so is Love over in Green Bay, by the way. Um, you know, trying to just, like, sidearm everything and, like, twist and contort their body. And uh, the thing is, he hits enough of those, Purdy does, where you don't, you're like, okay, maybe you can be this guy, right? Um, he doesn't hit them as... The, the thing that made Rodgers so special was that he hit all of them. He never missed that, right? Um, with Purdy, he hits about as many as you would expect and just enough to like justify that as a strategy. But there is something exploitable there because I think when he, when he just has to, like when he has to check down, when he just has to get it to his outlet, he hates to do that. Um, and that was something that the Giants actually got him to kind of do, and the Browns got him to do a little bit as well. As much as the rain affected his accuracy in that one, there were also times where it's like, dude, just get it to your outlet. But no, he's going to run around. He's going to try to make a hero play. He's going to, you know, heave something down to a double covered tight end. That those are turnover opportunities. Um, the Browns took advantage of some of those opportunities. The Giants didn't. The Rams or whoever didn't. Um, and that's going to be kind of the way that you have to play against this. So against the Blitz, uh, to go all the way back to where that tangent started, um, they love to use slant flat. Oh my God, do they love to call Dragon when they think that there's a Blitz. So if you see the Vikings line up on the line of scrimmage all day long, right? And I think that they should. And the question should be, are they coming or are they backing off into like two invert? But if you do that and then you back off into two invert, you might be able to ruin the read. And I don't think Purdy is going to play it like, you know, the the inexperienced rookie that doesn't see the dropping defensive end and just like throws the worst interception you've seen in your life. Um, I don't think he's going to do that. But I think what you can do is you can get rid of the in rhythm quick game read, which he's pretty good at, uh, and get him into schoolyard mode. And in schoolyard mode, which he's not bad at schoolyard mode, but nobody's better in schoolyard mode than they are in rhythm, right? When the offense is on tempo and on script and everything's working the way it's supposed to on the whiteboard, that's always going to be better quarterbacking than someone who's running around all day. Um, So let's get him to that kind of plan B part where I think things sort of bog down and slow down a lot 
with San Francisco. The problem is um, with blitzing him is that the 49er O-line is phenomenal at picking that stuff up. There's a play from the Giants game where they call, not unlike what Flores will do, they call two mirrored stunts. Um, or they call like a full like five-man, it's just wild pressure. It's a five-man pressure where you've got like Thibodeau slants like all the way from like tackle to tackle. He slants across like several gaps and everybody else is slanting and crashing in this crazy way. And it makes it so every single one of the 49ers offensive line has to pass somebody off and pick up a new person, be it a crasher or a looper or whatever. And they all do it and it's flawless. And Purdy has a super, super clean pocket and I'm pretty sure he finds like a big explosive playoff of it. It's wild. And seeing them do that, it's like, okay, if they're that good at this, blitzing five all day and just saying we'll get them on games is not going to do it. If you're going to go, you have to probably go with like a dedicated pressure plan aimed at attacking whatever protection you think that they're going to be in based on tendencies. Um, You know, they like this protection in third and medium, that kind of thing that you'll have like QC coaches compile and chart and advanced scouting teams. Um, But I think the better way to get pressure on Purdy is take away whatever you think that quick game read is, hope that that makes everything go really slow and that you've given guys a lot of time. No O-line blocks for five seconds, right? Five seconds is too long for any best O-lines in the league. Once it's five seconds, it's no longer on them if they let it up. Now it's taken too long. So we just got to make it take five seconds, which means you have to play really, 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 really sound on the back end. And that's what's going to make this this matchup a difficult one, I think, at the end of the day. Um, and, and that's to say nothing about Christian McCaffrey and that run game, by the way, which I'll talk a little bit more about next. Um, but to, the, the thing I want to drive home is that there is no room for error at all on the back end. Uh, this might sound like I've trash talked the 49er offense. I have not. That's what a good offense does is it leaves you no room for error. Um, if you can play mistake-free on the back end, right? No coverage busts, pass off your zones very polished, right? Like, don't get cooked off the line. If you can play reasonable, like, not even reasonable, if you can play well on the back end, then I think you can take Brock Purdy and put him into a world that isn't where he's best. But I do want to talk about that run game as well as the 49ers defense a little bit as well. We already did all our, like, prize picks and bold predictions and stuff on Friday. It's like a Friday thing. So you can check all that out. We can really get into the nitty-gritty in this one, which I really appreciate. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a DFS draft or just scouting out the waiver wire for a bye week or something like that, here are some people who are uh, here for the week seven eBay guaranteed fit from Vinny Iyer. Uh, how about CJ Stroud? Now, CJ Stroud might be an interesting acquisition if you don't already have him uh, because he's had a couple of odd games in the last little bit, but there might be a bounce back coming. Uh, and he has been a pretty consistent fantasy player even in games that aren't his best from a football perspective. Uh, He's averaging like 277 a game, only one pick to go with nine touchdowns. And in week eight, he draws a not great Panthers pass defense that has uh, fallen apart in a number of places. So um, 
that might be somebody who is worth more of an investment uh, or if you're in a particularly shallow league might even be on the waiver wire if it's not too QB or super flex or anything like that. eBay understands that you're always looking for that next fit, that thing that plugs right in and solves your problem, right? And it's kind of the same thing for your car. Everything has to fit properly. It has to be for the right make. It has to be for the right model. You have to be getting the part you actually need. And that can be really difficult to navigate if you're not familiar with that world. And that is what eBay Guaranteed Fit is for. With over 122 million parts, they can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly, whether it's a brake kit, LED, roof rack, bumper, whatever. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, if you want to go to the YouTube channel on Friday mornings, you can check out Locked On NFL Kickoff Live, uh, or sorry, 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. So you can find it on Locked On Vikings as well as Locked On all the other ones. Uh, and they'll talk about the Vikings matchup, other matchups, fantasy lineups, betting angles, and more. You can find Locked on NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, so it's noon central, on any Locked on NFL YouTube channel. Uh, let's. So the next thing I want to talk about is the run game. And the run game of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers is something that I have spoken about ad nauseum over the entire offseason because I was under the suspicion that the Vikings would start to use some more of those ideas. And they certainly have. Um, but they haven't adapted it truly faithfully. Um, you know, if, if I were, uh, if the, if the 49ers were a, a, a book, a really popular book and the Vikings were the movie adaptation of that book, diehard fans of the book would be mad. It's not faithful enough to the source material. And I think that the differences are very interesting. And I honestly, I think the differences are that the 49ers have been running things this way for a while, and I think they can teach it to a more complex degree and get away with that without everybody doing something wrong. And the Vikings have to keep things a little bit more simple as um, familiarity and chemistry kind of built, right, over with Kevin O'Connell. He's only in year two. Um, that is probably the source of the difference. But the difference itself is motion. The Vikings don't use it the same uh, as the 49ers. Now, at its core, there's still a lot of the same concepts. The Vikings use a lot of two lead blockers outside zone, right? Whether that's two tight ends and we're running outside zone with those two tight ends, whether that's a tight end and a fullback, whether there's motion involved or whatever, whether that's a receiver motioning across and becoming a lead blocker um, or a counter, right? Where there's lineman pulling, um, all kinds of different ways to get to it. And I do think that it has overall been more successful, even though it's had a couple of games where it's or it's had a few games where it's sort of like sputtered and failed. And we've talked about why I think that at least, uh, but it's more successful than it was last year when it was a fairly vanilla zone run game. But if you compare what the Vikings do to what the 49ers do, the 49ers use pre-snap motion in a much more sophisticated way. Than the, than the Vikings. Maybe the Vikings will get there eventually, assuming, you know, Kevin O'Connell is around for two, three more years and able to kind of install it in his way, uh, which is a huge if, but maybe, right? Um, but it's much more sophisticated. And when I think about motion, I was talking to somebody about Twitter on Twitter about this, and it got in my head, and I just kind of want to ramble about it now. Um, 
To me, motion needs to have a purpose. To borrow a phrase from Quasi, thoughtful and intentional. You need to have some kind of intentionality to it. And I think that was a big problem with last year's run game is there wasn't enough intentionality to the motion. I get what it was there for. They would run, have a zone run, and they would usually have jet motion away from the run. So you're just trying to get a linebacker to flow the wrong way. So look at all this jet motion, hope the linebackers flow with that way and then run the other way. They did that so much, though, and that was kind of the only thing that they did with regularity outside of like the the running back out at, at X or whatever, running back split out wide, and then he would motion back into where like a normal running back alignment, and you're just hoping you get his man zone indicator there, but you wouldn't snap on that. You would do that way before, and then if you got the signal you needed to get, you would check out of it or stay in it or whatever. The actual jet motion at the snap became something that defenses knew the Vikings did. And then just like, well, we'll just not react to that because they handed off, you know, once every three games, like how many actual jet sweeps did they run? Right. Once every three games, if they get us on a jet sweep, they get us on a jet sweep. We still might be able to get penetration and get there anyways. Um, and otherwise, you know, we, we just won't react to that. And, and they, like defenses could make that decision. And then suddenly you're just kind of running motion to run motion just because it's what it says in the playbook. And we do it because we do it. And, and it became arbitrary. I think the way the 49ers use motion, it's so intentional. You can see every single play for one. The motion's never the same. It's not samey. The, the one they probably do the most is tight end across like flipping the strong and the weak side. And that can be really helpful, A, because it gives you an indicator, right? Um, it tells you what sort of front structure that the defense is looking for or is, is working with. If they change their front, like if they shift the defensive tackles when the tight end moves from one side to another, then you know that they're working something with like strong weak rules, right? Because the strong side just flipped. So if they flipped with that, now you know that they're working with that, right? And you can then later in the game go back and, and exploit that. Um, but it also just forces the whole defense to like change its idea of what the strong side is and what the weak side is. And all the coverage rules just changed when the tight end moves over from one side to the other and all this stuff changes and you, maybe they screw up a communication and you can force a mistake that way. Encourage a mistake maybe is a better word. But beyond that, they would then have maybe the tight end motion across back across at the snap. So now they got to undo all the processing they just did. And that tight end now has a lateral head start and is probably and, and they would always they were so disciplined about using that head start to either that's part of the route that he's running or now he's a lead blocker with a head start and he can actually get, you know, if it's a tight end on an edge rusher, but the tight end has an edge has a head start. Now he can make that block a little bit easier. Um, whenever they would use like Debo Samuel motion, which won't come up for us because Debo's out. But they might still do it with like Brandon Ayuk or whatever. Um, they would have, you know, end around motion rather than jet. And when they wanted to do end around, it's like specifically timed out away because the difference between end around and jet motion is just did they step in front of the quarterback or behind the quarterback, right? When they're in front of the quarterback, they want that motion to go faster. When he's going behind the quarterback, a lot of times that turns into a bubble screen, right? And you need him to get some some depth upfield so that he can then be coming downhill when he catches the ball, right? You need to kind of lose ground to be able to get that momentum. And the end around motion works perfectly for that. And you can tell like the motion choices that they make work in tandem with what that play needs. Um, 
in a way that is just so elegant. And there is such a method to the madness that when you really look at a given play and all of the crazy motion crap that they do, in a way, I don't think is even matched by like the Chiefs, to be honest with you. Um, the Chiefs are very, very good at this as well. But there's something about the way the 49ers do it that feels so unique and in another, it's like they their offense has a whole dimension to it that no other offense in the league has. And it's what makes them so formidable. Um, so all of this is to say, yeah, no Debo. Yeah, you know, probably no Trent Williams. Probably a, a some, you know, not 100% of Christian McCaffrey, right? Either he's playing hurt or a pitch counter or whatever. I don't care. This team is good. This, this team is going to be difficult to play against. Um, all of those little bits don't take away what is truly at the core of the 49ers offense, uh, which is that it's all very sound. It works well together and it's really difficult to get around that. Um, I want to also talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball, because if, if the 49ers are going to be able to move the ball, especially on the ground with all this run game stuff with McCaffrey, um, the Vikings are going to have to score. So how do they do that? How do they score against this really well-regarded defense? Uh, that's what we have to kind of deal with now next. If I have sufficiently scared you about the Vikings 49ers game, you can still go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get that $200 in bonus bets. And FanDuel, of course, sponsor of today's episode America's number one sports book. So if you are new to FanDuel, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, make any $5 bet. You can you can honestly emotionally hedge. Put a put five bucks on the 49er money line. You won't make a whole bunch of money back, but hey, if the Vikings lose, at least you got something. And just replacing that bet. Or shoot, bet on the Vikings if you want. Uh just replacing that bet, you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets back right into your account. You don't even have to win the initial bet. Uh, go do whatever you want to do there. Of course, there's much more than just a Monday night football game. You can find all kinds of sporting events, all kinds of other kinds of events. Browse the page and uh, check back every once in a while, too, because they've got all kinds of really cool promos and they pay out instantly when you win. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and collect that $200 in bonus bets just for placing a $5 bet win or lose. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. If there is one player on the 49ers defense that I think is most important to understand, to understanding why that defense works so well, it's probably not the guy you think. You rightly think I'm going to say Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is phenomenal and blocking him is going to be a chore all day. Um, but that's not particularly unique. A lot of teams have a good edge rusher that'll give you a problem. You got to chip him. You got to put doubles into him. Um, he'll, he'll be an issue all day. And there's not a lot to analyze about that. But really, it's Fred Warner to me. Fred Warner takes the 49ers defense to a new level. And it's in particular because of the, the way that he plays in coverage and the way that he plays in coverage against play action is really, really cool. I pulled up their game against the Rams because I figured, yeah, similar offense, right? Let's see what they do against all this play action. Um, and whenever they would fake a handoff, Fred Warner's eyes told me a lot about what that defense is trying to do. For one, his eyes are often on the backfield. I actually think they're on the back th himself. And he won't overcommit. 
He he won't take really big lateral steps. As soon as it's it's guaranteed to be a run play, then he'll kind of burst and he'll make that up. And there's an athleticism to that, but he won't overcommit. Um, then if it is a play action, if it is indeed a play action pass, and he has to drop to a coverage landmark, uh, he will do so. He will very often zone turn his hips, so his hips will be, uh, or his like his rear end will face the sideline. And that's fairly unusual for a linebacker, you know, dropping into a hook zone or something. Usually, you want that shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, eyes on the QB. Um, Fred Warner won't do that. His eyes will be on the route concept that he is reading. Uh, and that's a really cool way to teach that. Um, that is both... Like there is an exploit for that, but it's also harder to exploit at the same time. Let me explain myself. So take the play action part out of it. Let's just say it's a straight drop back. Let's say there's a bunch on Fred Warner's side of the field, three receivers over there, right? Um, At the snap, his eyes immediately shoot over to that route concept and he starts reading the route concept and then whatever they're going to zone match and whatever he's going to, whoever he's going to take, he then kind of moves from there and he will run directly at that and his eyes will not be on the quarterback. Maybe you get where I'm going with this. Uh, so the quarterback can't look this linebacker off. Quarterbacks are used to being able to manipulate linebackers with their eyes. Uh, maybe one of the better examples I can remember of it came in last year against the Vikings th- when we lost to Detroit. Um, Jared Goff did a phenomenal job of looking off linebackers because we had, at Donatel had linebackers flowing with the QB's eyes. And a lot of the bad defensive stuff that happened last year was because it's like not that hard anymore. Like most quarterbacks can like look at someone's eyes this way and then throw that way. And honestly, you'd work that into progression. If you're a good offensive coordinator, you can work that in so that that naturally happens so that you read something on the left side first. And then, you know, if that's not there because there's a linebacker following your eyes, you go to the next one and guess what? You move your eyes faster than a guy can run that far. So you're just going to make space naturally. None of that works on Fred Warner because he's not looking at the QB's eyes. There's pros and cons to this, right? Um, That probably means that he's going to be very keyed in on what the Vikings classic route concepts are. Things like boat, things like uh, flag, water. If you've been listening, if you're an everyday or you know what those mean, I don't need to explain them for you to get this point, though. So I'll, I'll table that if you don't if you don't get it. Uh, Those are just a couple of the names for like staple route concepts that the Vikings use. And Fred Warner will probably be familiar with all of them also because the 49ers have the same ones. Uh, So he'll be in the right place where he's supposed to be in that coverage. But that means that for one, like if you do stare down your route, that's not going to get punished as much because he's not looking. And you can also get away with some sneaky stuff. And what you can really do is use that. Let's say they, they use, they do a flag return. So that's a corner route. And then, uh, like you would know it as like a whip route, a a return route to the outside, right. Uh, or to the inside. Um, if you do that, or even just like choice, if you do that and it causes Fred Warner to go over to that side of the, uh, to the equation, right? To flow away from from the middle of the field. And then you've got something else coming up over the the 
like filling in that space. You've got something coming from the other side of the field as like a deep over or a crossing route or something like that. You might be able to manipulate that Fred Warner tendency. And, and I think the best offensive game plans do exactly that. They take what makes a player good and use it against them. Maybe the best example I can think of that in my entire football watching career, 38-7 against the Eagles in, um, in 2017, the NFC Championship. They took what made those Vikings good and used it against them. Um, and I think to, to move the ball on this very, very, very good team, that's the kind of mentality we're going to have. So there is actually a concept that the Vikings use all the time that I think works here. That is flag water. Um, so you Or choice water, even. So you have something deep. And then either a choice or a return route, all you got to know is that that's a five-yard route, right? Five-yard route on that side of the field, on Fred Warner's side of the field. Hope that he goes and chases that. And then on the other side of the field, you would have, this would be like K.J. Osborne. You'd have K.J. Osborne coming on a crosser across the field and catching them hopefully in some kind of outside alignment on that side of the field. So you don't even have to win the route. You just have to get across the field. That can be Hawkinson. That can be Addison. That can be Brandon Powell can be whoever. Um, and hopefully you can get some space over the middle of the field that way and clear some things out. So there's a recommendation for you and trying to, to get that. Um, I'm also thinking in my head, uh, about, what Brian Peacock told me on crossover Thursday, which is that their pass rushes left a little bit to be desired this year, which is wild. Like that is not a group of names I would expect that from, but if that is the case and the Vikings have had good pass blocking, uh, then you might be able to, you know, get open on some of these coverage guys, even though they've got some bigger corners and that might be a problem for Addison. Well, you know, give them five seconds and that's enough time. Right. But like I mentioned before, that's a lot to ask of the pass blocking. So the O-line's going to have to be on it, and that's going to mean we're asking a lot of Dalton Reisner coming in. So the, the moral of the story here against the 49ers is on paper, on the whiteboard, there are ways to move the ball, to you know get to Brock Purdy, to prevent them from getting to their superstars, or at least the ones that are playing. There's all, that, all kinds of stuff that works on paper in theory. But for it to work... You need guys to play really, really consistent, sound football for 60 minutes. We haven't gotten that from the Vikings yet, and that's why they haven't been able to beat any of the contending teams on their schedule. They're, they lose to Philly. They lose to the Chiefs. If they want to steal one of these and on a national stage show the world that they are not just some also-ran team that's going to win seven games and be in a forgettable place in the draft order, they want to prove... What they have insisted, which is that they're more than that. They got to play consistent ball and sound ball. So let's see it, Vikings. What do you got in you? Whatever it is, we'll have the postcast afterwards uh, on the Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube channel. And of course, um, a recap episode going up in the morning. Uh, no Twitter Tuesday this week, obviously. Bigger fish to fry, but we'll get back to that next week. I'll see you all then. And as always, skull.